write a short story every week. It's not possible to write 52 bad short stories in a row. Ray Bradbury. Welcome to Bookish, a literary podcast. I'm Paul, and I hope all of you are staying well, staying inside as you can, and being careful when you venture out as we continue to navigate this difficult time. It's time again for Short Story Saturday, as May is Short Story Month, and today we have a short story of mine, one that eventually evolved into part of a chapter of my first novel. It seems like several of my short stories and flash fiction pieces ended up in one or the other of my novels. Maybe it's just the way my brain works. I don't know. But in any case, I hope you enjoy it and I hope you have a great weekend. You Say You Want a Revolution by Paul Combs. Just after the store opens on Friday morning, Ramon walks through the front door. Sal looks up from a box of books he's sorting through, surprised. No school today, sport, he asks, or are you cutting class again? Ramon has a downcast look like someone just ran over his dog. No school for me at all anymore, he replies. I just got expelled. There are gasps and stunned looks from all the staff and even a few customers. Camden rushes over to him. Expelled, she half asks, half shouts. Why? Has to be drugs, Jacob says as he walks to the front of the store. Guns, says Julia. Sleeping with the home ec teacher, says Sal. Heather and Siren one smile and nod, but Ramon shakes his head. None of the above, he says. Apparently the principal didn't like my manifesto. Sal and Camden exchange glances, and Julia hangs her head. Your what? Heather asks, confused. My manifesto. I published a very rough draft in the school paper. Uncle Luis and I aren't finished with it yet, but I wanted to get some feedback, some kind of reaction. Looks like you did, said Jacob. Julia jabs him in the side with a pencil, and Ramon nods. Yeah, I guess so. Mr. Throckmorton decided it was terroristic in nature and kicked me out. Zero tolerance, he said. I should have left out the part about Jaft. Jaft? Sal asks. The troika that will govern when my people rise up and throw off their shackles. I call it the junta against free thought. Jaft. Jacob walks away, shaking his head and muttering, Commies, right here in Fort Worth. But what about your right to free speech? Camden asks. The others turn and look at her like she's from another planet. Or worse, England. You're about a decade behind the curve, ma'am, Julia says. Kids have no rights in schools now. What did your mother say, she asks, patting him on the shoulder. Now he looks at her like she's from another planet, or worse, England. I'm not telling my mother, he says, horrified at the thought. Esmeralda Ines Maria Ortiz Sanchez does not have children who get expelled. My only hope of living to my next birthday is to join the Marines and then send her a letter explaining things from Afghanistan. 
The Corps would straighten you out, that's for sure, Jacob says, having just returned to the group. And the uniforms are pretty, Julia adds. Let me make a phone call, Sal says. By tomorrow, your principal will be in a 55-gallon drum at the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico. Ramon's expression brightens, but Camden shoots Sal a withering glare. Let's not go to the mattresses just yet, Clemenza, she says to Sal. Of course not, your ladyship, he replies. I suppose you're going to go over there first and charm this principal into submission with your logic, charm, and accent. He says accent quite sarcastically. That is precisely what I'm going to do, Camden says. Ramon appears unconvinced. The drum at the bottom of the gulf seems like a much better idea. I need to make a quick call, he says, reaching for his cell phone. I can take you to school after lunch. He dials a number and walks out the front door. That afternoon, Camden and Ramon are seated in front of Principal Throckmorton's desk in chairs likely designed to provide as little comfort as possible. Camden wears her most professional suit, something she's not done since she left London, even though her mother had shipped all of them over to her along with her other belongings. Ramon wears his usual attire, jeans, t-shirt, and Doc Martens. Throckmorton sits in a high-backed leather chair on the other side of the desk. He is a small, balding, effeminate man in his late 50s. His look is impassive, though slightly sympathetic. Tell me again, Miss Templeton, what is your relationship to Ramon? I'm something of an advocate for him in this matter, Camden says. In an official capacity? She hesitates, not having expected to be questioned herself. She shifts uncomfortably in her chair feeling like she's the one back in school, standing before the headmaster. Well, I'm not a barrister or anything like that, but we have a professional relationship. I see, he says. He forms a tent with his hands and stares hard at them. He clearly does not see. In any case, while Ramon may indeed be one of the brightest seniors here at Ben Milam High School, we simply cannot condone or ignore this sort of inflammatory rhetoric. He was inciting violence. Inflammatory rhetoric, Camden repeats. It was an editorial in a school newspaper, not a sermon on Al Jazeera. Throckmorton starts to reply when the door to his office swings open. The light from the outer office is completely blocked by the form of a huge man filling the doorway. Before entering, he leans back into the outer office and speaks to the secretary. Nine o'clock tomorrow night at the Blarney Stone will be perfect, my dear. He closes the door, walks to the desk, and shakes a clearly flustered Throckmorton's hand. He then kisses Camden's hand and nods at Ramon. He does not sit. I am Luis Ortiz, he says. I am young Ramon's uncle, benefactor, and mentor. The Socrates to his Plato. The St. Paul to his Timothy. The, the... Vito to his Michael? Camden interjects. Luis turns to her and flashes a brilliant smile, clearly pleased. I was going to say the Fidel to his Che, he says, but yours is much better. Camden flushes at the compliment. Ortiz is truly a compelling figure, well over six feet tall and at least 250 pounds with not a bit of fat evident. He has light blue eyes that sparkle when he speaks, and his voice is melodious, though his English is heavily accented. The slight gray at his temples puts his age at roughly 40, but he has the unlined face of someone 10 years younger.
Throckmorton starts to speak, but Ortiz raises his hand, cutting him off. My nephew is high-spirited and intellectually curious, he continues. Traits surely nurtured under your expert tutelage. Perhaps his article went too far in some respects, but he is obviously not expelled. A week of detention will suffice, though even that is unwarranted. Let us go, Ramon. Ramon stands, but Camden remains seated, as dumbstruck as the principal, who still has not gotten a word in. Throckmorton leaps into the brief pause. I don't care who you are, he says, or what you said to my soon-to-be ex-secretary to gain entrance into my office, but the boy is indeed expelled. Ortiz turns back to the principal, sighs, motions for Ramon to sit, then walks to the window. He opens it and glances outside. This is a grand old building, he says, built in 1937, if I'm not mistaken. You can tell by the fact that it has windows that open. New schools have no windows at all. Beautiful architecturally, but quite unfortunate for you. He steps away from the window. Unfortunate for me? What are you talking about? Camden gasps as a small red dot appears on the principal's forehead. He gives her a questioning look, unaware of what's happening. She points to his forehead. A dot, she says excitedly, on your forehead. He still doesn't grasp what's going on until the dot slides down to his coffee mug where he can see it, then back up his arm and back to his head. You really must alter your decision in the next 30 seconds, Ortiz says calmly. My comrade Jake has to preach a revival in Dallas in 45 minutes, so he cannot observe you through his scope indefinitely. With surprising agility, Throckmorton dives under his desk. Ortiz smiles and makes a gesture out the window. The red dot disappears. He then leans down and looks at Throckmorton, who is wedged as far under his desk as humanly possible. Be a man, Ortiz chides him. Besides, you have to come out sometime. Eventually you must go home to 4137 Aspen Court, or perhaps to your sister's house at 312 10th Avenue. Even as far as your mother's home in Tulsa, though I do hate to involve people's mothers in unpleasantries. Do we have an understanding? I'll... I'll call the police, he stammers in a high-pitched squeal. Oh my, Luis exclaims. The police. You have so terrified me, I may have soiled myself a bit. In spite of herself, Camden laughs at this. Luis looks over and winks, then leans down again. Mira, he says to the cowering form under the desk. Someday my nephew will run this country, or some other country nearby. He can do that without a high school diploma, but he should not have to, and therefore will not have to. So again, do we have an understanding? Throckmorton stammers from under the desk. How, how do I know that wasn't just a regular laser pointer from an office supply store? Before he can finish, Ortiz motions at the window, then quickly steps between Camden and the far wall, shielding her. The glass covering a framed diploma from Oklahoma State on Throckmorton's wall suddenly explodes into a shower of fragments, and a large hole is visible in the center. Camden is wide-eyed but does not scream. Ramon simply smiles. Ortiz moves back to Throckmorton's hiding place and leans down. You were saying? Yes, yes, the boy is reinstated. Excellent. I do hope your successor is as prudent. My successor, he asks? 
still not moving from under the desk. You made me ask twice, made my dear friend late for church, and upset this lovely lady. You will, of course, have to resign. What? I'm not resigning. Ortiz looks at his nephew. Ramon, he says, at the gym today I ran like a god, but was unable to use the weights due to my pressing appointment here. Perhaps I should pick up this large oak desk and drop it on our hesitant administrator a few times instead. Perhaps, uncle. No, please, no. I'll do whatever you tell me. Ah, says Luis. Excellent. Let us go, Ramon, and lovely lady friend of Ramon. They walk out of the office, leaving Throckmorton under the desk. Hello, he calls after they've walked out. Can someone help me? I seem to be stuck under here. listening to today's episode of Bookish. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to keep episodes like this coming, I'd also like you to consider supporting us by clicking the support this podcast link on the anchor site. For as little as 99 cents a month, you can keep episodes like this coming and also help us get to the point where we're completely ad-free. Thanks again.